go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window will get their second. You're listening to Lee Carson, Newcastle Hunters Home Rugby League. Welcome back. We are back for 2022 on League Castle. A little bit later start to the year this year due to some extracurricular activities. But we are here finally and uh, getting things underway. There'll be some changes in the wings for League Castle this year. A few little adjustments as we go in terms of uh, some hosting and co-hosting throughout the year just to keep on getting you through and making sure you're getting your, your rugby league fix on, of course, your regular host, Chris McPherson, my co-host from last year, Josh Spiegelman, will be rejoining us during the year, but is currently unavailable due to some work commitments. So uh, we scoured the landscape and um, thought that we'd hit the jackpot and jagged 400-game NRL veteran Cameron Smith in between his SEN and other commitments. But instead, we've uh, got, uh, well, he's taking a sabbatical, but uh, another one of the local rugby league referees and uh, Knight's tragic Cameron Smith, mate, uh, Smithy. Welcome to League Castle. I think this is your official debut on the show, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Sure is, mate. Uh, thanks for thanks for bringing me on. Uh, shame I don't have 400 games of NRL experience and plenty of finals instead of Origin wins, but uh, hopefully I can do a do a decent enough job. Much of a muchness, mate. S- similar hairline, similar rig, just as durable. Probably a better bloke. <laughs> so we'll, we'll take we'll take you, mate. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, before we get into what this episode is really going to be about, which is a bit of an NRL season preview, um, we'll have a quick look ahead in terms of some key dates. Uh, coming up, I guess, for the uh, rugby league seasons um, in, in our region, and we'll first of all have a look at the, um, well, I think it's still going by the Denton Engineering Cup, mate. Um, it's only a few weeks away now, one of the major competitions, and It'll remain a 10-team competition. There was some talk at one point that uh, the Northern Hawks might join it, but they've been told to wait another year, so um, a 10-team competition. But hopefully we can bring it to a um, an end this year, mate. Uh, it was unfortunate that it got nipped in the bud with COVID last year. Yeah, it absolutely was. It was uh, shaping up to be a Red Hot final series, so it was uh, a shame that the season got shut off uh, with one round left in the regular season, so... Yeah, it'd be nice to get, you know, a full promise in. Um, the last two years have been very much COVID-affected, so um, with the world starting to somewhat return to normal, uh, hopefully that uh, brings about a full season of uh, Newcastle Rugby League. Yeah, certainly, and um, only two weeks till the first round, so the 26th of March, it's uh, set down for um, four of the five games, and the final game, Central versus Maitland, which will be on the 27th of March. There's been plenty of player movements, and we'll get into that over the next two weeks. Um, we'll also have some more updates on the... Newcastle and Hunter Rugby League, which um, again isn't too far away. I think it's scheduled um, for a kickoff in early April, the first weekend of April. Uh, looking at the draws, so uh, they're just finalising all their gradings for their men's competition. So not far away at all. It's uh, pretty good to think, Smithy, that uh, it's only a couple of weeks away, and uh, you know the likes of yourself and I now, mate, I won't have to be out in the middle, but we'll be able to enjoy a can on on a few different hills and just enjoy some local footy. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It'll be a bit different uh, watching local footy from the sidelines. Definitely haven't done that in a in a long, long time before, since before I started refereeing. But uh, yeah, it'll be a nice uh, change of pace and a bit less pressure, definitely. 
And, uh, yeah, certainly a different sort of training we'll be doing to uh, make sure we're fit for sitting on the hill. Oh, mate, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, you know, i got to lift those up very regularly on a Saturday afternoon watching some footy. So, yeah, we'll be doing some work in the next couple of weeks on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to speak to Reese Ryan and make sure he's got you a uh, reserve space down at the uh, down at Morissette there, mate, uh, on the hill so you can get get heckling some uh, some Newcastle and Hunter referees. Yeah, mate, no, sounds absolutely outstanding. Lovely, mate. Well, let's let's get into what we're here for. We are here to do a breakdown of the NRL season preview. We are you know, only moments away, essentially, a couple of days now till the uh, first game of the season when Manly and Penrith will get us underway out there at Penrith. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. It'll go live on Wednesday. So team list just with us now. Um, a few a few interesting selections, which we'll get into in a moment, mate. But we'll break it down. We've, we've, we were very similar when we put our initial um, ladder predictions together, you and I. So we've sort of broken them down into categories. There might have been a little bit of tweaking since then. But the categories we've gone with are the contenders, the almost theirs, the... Um, on the outside of the eight and the dark horses to make the eight... Uh, the, those that are making up the nut then our, um, I guess, traditional seller dwellers where we've got a couple of teams in there. So uh, we might start from the top, mate, I reckon. Um, we'll start with the contenders and probably nowhere better to start. And I'll, I'll hand off to you for a quick your thoughts on the defending champions, mate, the Penrith Panthers. Yeah, mate. Yeah, the Panthers look uh, very strong again. Obviously, uh, news just broke a couple of uh, hours ago that Nathan Cleary will miss the first three rounds, um, but I'm sure he'll come back. Um, Probably, yeah, probably as fit as he, if not fitter than he was last year. So, yeah, Panthers, man, they're, they're incredibly strong. They'll, they'll be thereabouts again. Um, top two or three, I can see. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I don't think it'll be too much different for the last, from the last two years for the Panthers. No, I think, I think you're right there, mate. I think the big thing is going back to back is hard. We've seen it, I'll say three times in the last 30 odd years, but one of those was Super League. So you can asterisk that as you want because, you know, like we like to take things away from Queensland anyway. Um, but, you know, you had 92, 93, and then a couple of years ago again with the Roosters, and that's realistically the gap. So it doesn't happen often, and it doesn't happen often for a reason. But uh, if anyone can do it, obviously Penrith, pretty stacked. They're right in that premiership window. A couple of players out, um, but no major losses, mate. Um, the other thing we're going to identify as we go through each of these teams is the player to watch. Who is the, the key player or the player to watch for Penrith for you this season? Yeah, I'm going to um, bring in a new player that uh, didn't really play much at all really for last year for the Panthers but I'm going to say Isaac Tago um, probably going to fill in there at left centre with the loss of Matt Burton going to the Doggies um, I think he he looks like an absolute uh, gun um, I think he'll be a weapon and just an early taster he could be up there in the in the rookie of the year standings I reckon yeah he cert- certainly be in the mix you'd think um, and, we'll, and we'll get to our rookie of the year tips at, towards the end of the show um, mate um, I'm Pretty much in agreement with most of what you said. My man to watch is Viliami Kikau. We know it's his last season before he heads to the Dogs like many more before him, which when we get to the Dogs we will discuss. But he just didn't deliver enough for me last year. And if Penrith are to take that sort of step and, you know, as the hunted, um, continue to set the pace and, and take out the competition, then they're going to need something really big from him to carry, you know, alongside those guys in the back row that did perform last year and the likes of Martin and Yo. So... He's the one for me, mate, and um, yeah, I, I think I think they'll, as you say, be up in that sort of top two or three. But I think they might um, look, they might make the big dance, but I can't see them taking it out back to back. No, I agree, mate. I, yeah, I don't have them winning the comp, but they'll uh, they'll be there when the rips are cracking, that's for sure. 
Yeah, certainly will. Uh, next up, we will have a look at the Sydney Roosters. Uh, mate, uh, I've got these guys as a bounce back year. Like, they were pretty strong performers still last year, but the amount of injuries um, that they had, there's, I guess, two positives to this for them. One, it exposed a lot of players to first grade rugby league, probably ahead of their time or more than they would have seen. And two, it means that they're only going to be better for the players that they bring in. Yes, they've seen a few players of experience retire, but, you know, the, the man himself and my player to watch is Luke Keary. Having him back in there alongside uh, what what looks like it'll be Sam Walker is a massive in for them. And, you know, the two of those, we obviously saw what Sam Walker could do, but he's no longer going to have to be that primary playmaker. So it's going to be a big addition. Yeah, mate. Yeah, Keary back in, that'll be massive. It's crazy to think how many games Walker played last year, but he didn't come into the side until Keary got injured. So first time they'll be lining up together and us, yeah, that's, That'll be a massive improvement um, on the bits and pieces players that they had playing alongside Sammy Walker last year, especially towards the back end. Um, and when they were resting him and everything with his shoulder. So um, if he's fully fit, him and Kiri, they'll be, uh, yeah, one of the best half, halves combinations in the comp. Yeah, I agree, mate. Have you got another player to watch or were you on the Kiri bandwagon there as well? Uh, no, yeah, I, I do agree. Kiri is a massive in um, from last year, but I'm going to go with... Uh, Probably stick with Knights loyalties a little bit. I'm going to say Connor Watson. Um, I think he'll be pushing for a free utility um, spot for New South Wales over the first 10 or so weeks. So starting at Hooker this week with Sammy Beryl, still that suspended. So I think he'll be staking his claim as, as a New South Wales utility potential this year. Yeah, I, I don't dislike that call, mate. And um, he's gone there. He's played well for the Knights last year and he's gone there to take his um, career to, to the next level again. And if he can do that, then he's certainly be in those calculations. Moving right along, and the, the third and final of our clear-cut contenders, they're a side that, you know, no matter what seems to happen, and we know that they've got a number of players that are that are moving on in, in the coming years, um, as well as the changes they've gone through recently, but they're always there when the whips are cracking, and that is the Melbourne Storm. Uh, how do you pull apart, you know, the team that is Melbourne? They've just been incredibly successful for probably the last 15 or 16 or so years now. They're just... Ultra consistent every year. You can just bank on them to, to be top four. They just they're just a juggernaut that are and a force to be reckoned with. Craig Bellamy just even with players that you know you barely heard of or you think you know they're they're past it or they're not quite up to standard. And he just gets the best out of them every year. So they they'll they'll be right right there when when the whips are cracking again. Um, just like the two teams we've mentioned before, but they're. Yeah, even like the couple of players they've lost, like Nico Hines, obviously he was phenomenal for him last year, but obviously it's still got Papenhausen. There is, you know, one of the top probably three fullbacks in the comp. Yep. Uh, well, as you know, probably the two best hookers in the comp with Grant and Brendan Smith, which is just crazy to think that, you know, they lost probably the best hooker of all time two years ago and they've still got the best two hookers in the comp. It's incredible. It is crazy. And and my stat was um, quite similar to that, mate. Uh, in I think they're up to 24 seasons now. Uh, maybe 25. Um, they have missed the finals, I believe, three times. And one of those was the year they had the points stripped off them. The last time yeah. they missed the finals outside of that year was 2002. They missed the finals in 01 and 02 back-to-back. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy strength. And, and the majority of those years, I think, again, you can strip out about five years, um, including those years they missed the finals where they haven't finished in the top four. So, um, again, going back to 2014 was the last time they missed the top four. They ran sixth and and three years prior to that again. So it's a scary record and, and write them off at your own um, at your own peril, I guess. So um, I, I've gone with the man himself, Cam Munster. I just think 
it is his side now. He is the standout player, and there's a lot of pressure on him, especially with the fact that there is potential, and you know it's a very dangerous statement to make, but there is potential with the, the exodus of players that are going to leave there next year with uh, Brandon Smith and a number of the Fords having signed elsewhere, um, that potentially they find themselves, you know, if that window is going to close, is, is next year the time that it starts to starts to really shut. So this this is a, a prime year for them to, to have a red-hot crack, you'd have to think. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that monster shout. He's, uh, yeah, he's off the drink and off the punt and everything, and he's, uh, I think he'll be yeah ready for an absolute massive season. Um, as you said, they've got a few players already heading elsewhere for next year. So I think, yeah, might not be the end of their premiership window as such because they always seem to replace these kind of guys, but um, they'll they'll be uh, yeah they'll be ripping a tear for the for the Bromwich boys and Brendan Smith and all that 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 are leaving next year. So yeah, yeah I do agree with with the tour. And my player to watch is um, Xavier Coates. He's uh, obviously coming over from from the Broncos. Um, he's already played some Origin football. Um, he's just going to improve it out of sight. I think in Melbourne, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him in an Australian jersey by the end of the season. Yeah, I have a very Israel Folau vibe about Xavier Coates at Melbourne, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, back to the Munster one, one quickly. I did hear that he's got a, a six-pack back for the first time since he was 16 or 17. So um, I, I don't know what that's like. I didn't have one at 16 or 17, let alone now. But, you know, that's obviously got to be uh, you know a good sign on his fitness, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he'll be ripping it there and ready to go. Uh, moving on to the next category, and we've got the, uh, the almost there, the sides that, you know, you wouldn't completely rule them out, but you're not expecting them to take out the premiership. And we've got a bunch of about four here that are, that are just in that next class. We'd expect them to make the eight, but, um, you know, may not challenge for the flag. The first of these, Manly, they've been, um, they were impressive last year. Um, they've got class at one, six and seven. There's always some question marks over the durability of foreign, but the big hole for them for me is at nine. Um, they're running with Lachlan Croker as their primary nine and then Cody, uh, sorry, Dylan Walker coming off the bench. Um, they just don't have an out-and-out out nine, and I think that's where that's probably the, the big thing that's going to stop them from going to the next tier. We saw the outside backs, what they can do, the likes of Garrick and co. last year. So they've got plenty of punts. They've got plenty of points in them. Um, and obviously a four-pack with Marty Tapao and Jake Trebojevic in it. They can mix it with anyone, but that nine, I think, is is the one thing that's going to hold them back from going from this tier into the next tier. Oh, I totally agree, mate. The, just the massive hole on their side is, is their hooker. Um, you know, Lachlan Kirk is serviceable as an NRL uh, hooker, but, yeah, for, for a juggernaut, like, um, if, Manly, or if Manly want to be a juggernaut, they need, they need to, yeah, they need to look into trying to find another dummy half. I think when they let Coruscant go, they were really um, hoping that Tainu would be would be their man, but he's obviously um, has his off-field issues and everything. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, I totally agree with everything you said there about, about dummy half for sure. Speaking of off-field issues, they do have James Seguiaro signed to the Blacktown Work as their feeder club. So that could be a watch-this-space um, sort of situation, especially if Croker doesn't really hit the ground firing. Um, if you could then bring... Uh, Seguiaro in and you know still keep Walker as your utility or Walker plugs in if there's other injuries and then Croker becomes your utility. It's a very different looking side if Seguiaro's half of the, the player that he was when he got himself in a bit of strife. Oh mate, Seguiaro was an absolute gun back in the day. I remember, I think he was Hooker of the Year one year. Um, maybe when he was, I think it was when he was at Penrith. Yeah. Um, he was, he was, he was an absolute, uh, absolute gun. So yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him back in the NRL and yeah, just you know, he's half the player he was. He'll He'll be a massive improvement there. 
Yeah. My player to watch there, it goes without saying, he is the key to their performances. It is Tommy Turbo. I don't think I need to say much more, mate. Um, I might hand over to you because you'll probably have someone a little bit uh, less of a low-hanging fruit than, than T. T-T- Trebojevic. Yeah, mate. Yeah, no. Nah, can, can he repeat what he's... If he can even get close to what he repeated last year, he'll he'll be just about the only player of the year again, I'd say. But yeah, I've gone um, a little bit different. Um, I've gone Hamole Alakawatu. Um, he burst onto the scene last year and um, replacing Curtis Sirenen on that right edge, running off Cherry Evans. And uh, surprisingly, he was named uh, for round one today. So that was a bit of a shock um, after the injury he picked up in the trials. But yeah, I think Man, he's, he's an outstanding edge forward and um, yeah, he's a big boy and he's very hard to handle. Yeah, he certainly is a big bopper, um, but he's quite mobile for his size, so he'd be a good one to watch and yeah, I, I like that call, mate. Uh, we'll move on to the next side and I'll let you uh, lead off the hitting here. It is the Cronulla Sharks. Um, what do you see their season 2022 shaping as? Yeah, well, obviously they've picked up um, a couple of key rep- recruits in uh, Nico Hines and, and Dale Finuc and so I mean, obviously, new coach as well with, with Fitzgibbon starting there. So they obviously do have a better squad. Um, but it just comes down to a question of will they will they take their time uh, to sort of gel as a unit or will they yeah, will they fire instantly? Obviously, they've got Ken McInnes as well. I think he'll be out um, early early doors. But, um, yeah, it's will, will they take their time to sort of put all the pieces of the puzzle together or will they fire, fire straight away? I think that's the, the key question there with Cronulla. Yeah, I agree. I literally had the notes down. How quickly can they gel was was my question, um, my one-liner to, to prompt the discussion. And obviously the, the spine, and I'll include the, the number 13 in this, the makeup of that spine, how do you fit in? You know, like obviously Finucane compl- is, is, you know, a first-choice lock in most sides, but then you've got Cam McInnes and Braley to, to share the nine duties. Uh, then is Nico Hines the seven-answer playing alongside Matt Moylan? Or do you have Moylan coming off the bench? Obviously, you've got Trindle there as well once he comes back from suspension. So it's going to be yeah, very much a matter of how quickly can Craig Fitzgibbon find what is his best, um, you know, I, I'll call it five-man spine, um, and then where do the other pieces fit? Um, because one, he's got to make sure he maintains harmony because they're all key players. I think probably the only locked-in spot in that spine at the moment, 100%, will be Kennedy. Obviously, Hines will play somewhere there and start in that spine. Um, and you'd think that Braley will, will start at nine, but whether he, you know, he plays 90, uh, 80 minutes sorry, at nine is the, is the other question. So it's just the balance of that, making sure everyone's getting the game time that they want, and also you're getting value for what you're paying all of these players, I guess, because that's been a real challenge at the Sharks. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, especially with that uh, you know, nine and 13, three doesn't really fit into two there, does it, between Braley, McInnes, and Dale Finucane. It's whether, yeah, will they essentially move Finucane into the, into the front row so that McInnes can start? Start up lock. It's uh, yeah, it's gonna be it'll be funny because they've Bailey's been pretty serviceable for them over the last few years since um, his brother Jaden left. So yeah, and again, yeah, I'd, I'd probably pick Trindle myself um, to partner Hines. Um, I agree. They they do love they do love Moisa there, don't they? Yeah, it's an, an interesting one, and you know Hines more of a natural six, Trindle a natural seven, and the other thing that you've got to then look at is, you know, the moving pieces if you move Dale Finucane into the front row because you've obviously got, you know, Toby Rudolph and Braden Hamlin-Uelli who have absolutely torn it up the last couple of years. You've got the emerging, you know, Royce Hunt, you know, Britton Nakora has been killing it. Teague Wilton's been on fire in the trials. I mean, he's probably the man that misses out and you probably shuffle Rudolph or Hamlin-Uelli back to the, the back row but, you know, and, and maybe shuffle for feeder out of your, your 17. But they've also got, you know, the likes of Luke Metcalf coming through um, which is going to add some challenges to their backline mix-up as well. So, I mean, they're good problems to have when you've got, you know, 
22 first graders to go into 17 versus there's other clubs we'll get to shortly who've probably got 12 first graders to go into 17 and they're trying to fill those other five jerseys. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one. Um, if they can get it to gel again, that fourth spot's probably, you know, right right, right within their grasp. But if it takes too long to gel, then ninth spot could be where they end up quickly too. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of uh, a lot of factors that will determine how they how they go this year. Their their ceiling probably is, you know, around that five or six, but their floor is definitely yeah, you know, ninth or tenth. So there's a yeah, massive uh, massive disparity in, in how they could end up this year for sure. Yeah, and and I and I've actually gone that player to watch is um is William Kennedy. I think he is could could potentially become one of the best two or three fullbacks in the game with time. Um, up there in that conversation with you know the, the Tedesco's and the Trebojevic's, he's got the ball playing ability. Um, he's got the ball running. You often see fullbacks that you know the young ones that come on the scene that they do one or the other. He comes from really good stock, as we know. Um, and yeah, I think the you know the sky's the limit for him, and and he could be that next generation fullback that um, stands out from the pack. Oh yeah, for sure. I, 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 that is a shout for sure. Last year he was um, he was massive for them. Last year he was probably one of the most improved players in the comp last year. So he was. He was right up there with the with the best fullback in the in the league last year, and I can't see why he can't continue that again, especially in a in a um, slightly stronger team. I've actually gone a little bit left field here um, with with Wade Graham uh, injured. I've gone uh, Teague Wilton. He's jazzed the starting edge um, yep. to start the season, um, and you know Wade Graham. You know he's um, mate. I've loved him as as a player for, for New South Wales and for the Cronulla um, over the last you know six, seven, eight years. Um, he's been outstanding, um, but. I just between the concussions he's been getting, and now he's you know he's gone down, his legs are starting to let him down too. So I think Teague Wilton, when he came came into the side last year, he was um, yeah he was really solid with his really solid work rate, and um, yeah if if Wade Graham you know um, has an early retirement this year, which I don't think is um, you know too far fetched, um, I think Teague Wilton will lock down that edge spot and um, be quite solid there for them. Yeah, he certainly moved up the pecking order with the Red Hot preseason, so he'll be one to watch. Um, let's jump over to next up. We will dig into the Parramatta Eels. Um, I guess my, my, my line that I've put down here is, if not now, when? We know that there's a mass exodus coming out of this club um, leading from next year with a number of players moving on. And it's just hard to see if they don't have a crack at it and take themselves into this next tier this year. Are they going to be able to do it next year when, you know, they're putting their chips in the basket? You know, they lose Reed Marnie and bring in Josh Hodgson, who we've seen what he can do. They also lose a few others, you know, the likes of... Um, oh, I'm having a mental blank here. There's a couple of them that have gone up to... Re- sign up, off to go to Redcliffe um, and, and off to the Rooster, uh, off to the Warriors as well. So there's a bit of an exodus of players um, yep. happening for 2023. So... This is the year you'd have to think they're not off to a great start with a few key injuries, um, including Mike Sevo at the start of the year. Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote down here too. Um, window closing for them this year. I think this is their last chance. Um, you know, they've been up there for the last few years, and I think yeah, I do agree that this is their last real red hot crack at, at uh, pushing for a title. Yeah, agreed. My player to watch here. Um, I split this one, and, and I've done this a little bit as we've gone down the list, but uh, Dylan Brown, um, if they can get a consistent season out of him, it'll take a lot of pressure away from Mitch Moses. And also Bailey Simonson. Um, they've looked for you know that different attacking edge to the sheer force, sledgehammer nature of Mike Acevo. 
Um, Bailey Simonson, we've seen what he can do. He's, you know, he went through the All Blacks junior program with the sevens and stuff. So an absolute freak of an athlete. If they can get the best out of him, then the sky's the limit and that'll add some real uh, versatility to their outside backs. They've been, you know, previous years, they've had uh, the now troubled Blake Ferguson on the on, on that other edge for a large part. And um, he just, while he was solid, he was not a standout in any one format of the game, whereas Simonson's athleticism gives them an aerial threat to the ground threat of uh, Mike Acevo. Yeah, mate, yeah, I totally agree with both of them. I think, yeah, Simonson is an absolute um, handy pick-up there um, for the Eels, and I think, yeah, I, I do agree with that Dylan Brown shout. I think um, he probably was a bit quieter last year than I think a lot of us were expecting. Um, he burst under the scene a few years ago and was yeah one of the gun rookies, and uh, I, I, think, I think he will improve this year. He had a bit going on off the field and stuff last year. I think I think he'll be there. Um, he'll be there, much improved um, as a foil for Mitch Moses. I've actually gone the uh, other wing. I've gone Will Penasini as my player to watch. Um, he has a, um, a fair crack at it now with uh, obviously Steve-O's injured and um, Dunstow's obviously out for the year as well. So he gets a bit of an extended crack in first grade and it'll be interesting to see how, how he can uh, finish off some backline movement. Yeah, I definitely agree. Penasini um, with that opportunity in the centres is going to be an interesting one. And look, it's a bit of a new look backline for them uh, in the opening round. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, like we've talked about with a couple of those other sides, how they gel. But um, plenty of opportunity for Parramatta. It's just about whether they can take it. The next one, and, and they're probably somewhat heading in the opposite direction to a couple of these other teams, is, is the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And what I've highlighted here is, is life after Adam Reynolds. Obviously, that's the, the glaring hole now in their roster. He's been a fixture there before now heading north to the Broncos and we'll certainly get to them probably in the next category. But South Sydney, how do they deal with the loss of Adam Reynolds and the loss of Wayne Bennett as a coach? Yeah, mate, obviously it's a, it's a massive, um, massive loss for them in losing losing Adam Reynolds. You know, he's been there many, many years now and um, been skipper obviously there for a while too. So I, I have the same question marks around and how will, how will they... Uh, without him there during the ship. Um, obviously, they've got plenty of guns there still. And the rest of their spine is, um, you know, Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker and Damian Cook, still all um, elite first-grade footballers. But, you know, I think Adam Reynolds was just that real steady, steady level head that um, they can always rely on to, um, to, yeah, to run the show there. Yeah, agreed. I think that's a big question, Mark. If they can address that, then, you know, that's the elephant in the room. The Bennett absence... While that will leave something, it's, it's a succession plan they've built over some years. And, um, you know, Jason Demetrio, he's, um, I guess his pathway to the NRL has certainly been long and storied. Um, and, you know, he's got plenty of experience. And if anyone's in a position to make that step, then he's certainly there. And, and they've, they've handed the, the keys over to him uh, in transition. My player to watch, it was a split here. It is one of those men you just mentioned, Latrell Mitchell. Um, if he can uh, control the red mist and just focus on rugby league, then they're going to be a lot better side for us. The other one is obviously young Lachlan Ilias, who's got the first shot, I guess, at uh, filling the boots of uh, Adam Reynolds. And look, at the end of the day, I don't know how long South Sydney fans will tolerate if he's not at you know first grade or very close to standard. If if he's if he's falling off or or making you know um, green errors, they won't probably give him much leeway. Yeah, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be uh, interesting to see how he how he goes and how long yeah the fans do um, persist with him if he you know if he is um, struggling. I think I think they will give him a fair bit of time, a fair bit of rope to start the season. Um, but you know if he's still struggling, you know come you know, maybe ten or around ten or mid season or so, um, and maybe yeah 
they'll start calling for his head. And uh, yeah, my player to watch this year for the Bunnies is uh, Keon Kolomatungi. Um, I thought he was uh, massively improved for that last year on the on the right edge, and he almost uh, dragged his um, way into the New South Wales squad. I think he was there 18th and 19th man for one or two games, and I think he'll be very much taking his claim for, for an origin spot um, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, he was a standout for them last year, and um, we expect I'd certainly expect that he'll become an even more crucial part of that side in season 2022. So moving on, mate, now we're heading into the, uh, I guess, the, those teams on the cusp of the eight, the, uh, the dark horses or the uh, slim hopes for the eight. And we'll start off with a team very dear to my heart, and I'd love to hear your thoughts before I wax lyrically about how they're going to, you know, come from this tier and win the comp. The Canberra Raiders, mate, um, what is it that you see as season 22 for the Canberra Raiders and who's their player to watch? Yeah, I do see some improvement um, in Canberra last year. There was a fair few um, off-field issues um, between, you know, Joe Tarpany's uh, misses and Ricky Stewart and everything. Um, they had a lot going on last year, and um, I do see some, uh, some improvement in them this year. I don't think they quite reached their potential of last year and I think that last game um, against the Roosters really summed up their, their season in 2021. They sort of gave up when they were playing for a final spot and I, yeah, I, I can't see that happening again. I, I do think they'll be very much pushing um, the top eight, if not if not a bit higher. Um, yeah, my and, and also my play to watch is uh, someone who's probably um, stuck his way into the, into the starting lineup. Matt Tomoko um, has come from a little bit from nowhere to, to, stag, to snag a starting centre spot but might even touch on the other tenor shortly, but uh, he seems to have uh, been very much locked into that tenor spot considering, um, you know, the likes of Jared Croker and stuff can't miss, can't even get into the side. And we've got a young fella that's going to be starting on Dabu. Um, don't quote me, don't quote me if I'm wrong, but I think he'll be on Dabu, um, the other tenor there. Um, yep. But Matt um, has locked in that right tenor spot. And from all I heard, he, he had that spot locked in um, since before the trials. Um, so, um, I, They've clearly seen a lot from him in the preseason, and um, I'll, I'm expecting him to, uh, yeah, massively improve this year and and be a stalwart there in the in the centres. Yeah, there's certainly no doubting his talent. He's probably surpassed um, Seb Chris, who was was yeah. probably the go-to utility last year. Uh, a little bit more mobile, probably, and um, more traditional centres. Uh, style build, but yeah, Tomoko certainly impressive and was used sparingly in the in the uh, trials, which um, intrigued me. But obviously, as you said, Ricky had him penciled in there in the centres. So uh, my my headline for the Raiders, I guess, and and one line is the paper needs to meet performance. On paper, they have a side, especially you know once that with bringing in Fogarty, that should be competing in that next tier up. They should be in a similar ilk to the Parramatta's and the Cronulla's of the world, but they don't consistently put that, you know, paper form into performance. So if they can do that, then they'll be heading in the right direction and a finals berth will be beckoning. Um, my my player to watch is, two, well, again, it's split between two of their signings and that's Jamal Fogarty is the obvious one and, again, was the low-hanging fruit. But Adam Elliott, I think he's going to be a really good addition from what I've seen in the trials. Um, he's had some off-field drama, we know, um, but certainly a talented footballer, a good ball-playing forward who gets through a lot of work in the middle. And the other thing that really impressed me, I caught him at the trials and he literally was giving the boots off his feet and the socks and the shorts off his legs to kids in the crowd and spending time afterwards just going around signing as many autographs as he could, which personally I think there's not enough enough of in rugby league. So I'd love to see him succeed because he just seems 
apart from some poor social decisions, to be um, a really good cut of a young footballer. Yeah, mate, that's, that's really awesome to see. And as you said, it probably isn't something that uh, happens enough, um, you know, after games, um, with you know, players hanging around after games, uh, or is it obviously just a trial, but, you know, hanging around and giving the fans um, some memorabilia and the stuff that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. It's, it's awesome to see um, things like that going around. And, yeah, I do agree there's not much, not enough of it. Um, but, yeah, hopefully he can put those sort of off-field issues behind him that he had at the Doggies. Um, because, yeah, as you said, he's a, he's a very, very solid um uh, ball playing forward. I mean, he's good to pick up for the Raiders. Yeah, agreed. And to go off topic very rapidly, I've, I've had this discussion many a time. If I was in the NRL, which obviously, you know, ability, um, preparedness to train and about 10 other factors are going to stop happening, plus my age, um, I would be out there signing things, anyone that stood still until the lights turned off, purely because, you know, if there's not a better example of a man who's made a career out of just being a man of the people rather than a great footballer. Bo Ryan is the prime example. The bloke hosts his own TV shows now um, purely because he had a bit of personality and was just prepared to go out there and mingle with the people. And I think a lot of footballers take it for granted, unfortunately. And if that's, you know, at the end of the day, those people are going to be the ones that will offer you a job or do something else or, you know, be the, the, the reference in society that you need later on. So I think, as you say, a lot more of that won't go astray. Couldn't agree more. We'll move on, mate. We will go to the Gold Coast Titans now. The Gold Coast Titans were a resurgent side last year, um, charging up into the finals and um, certainly look to be building on that. My big question for the Titans is, as I say, needing to take that next step and the question marks over the seven and nine jerseys. Um, Aaron Clark, undoubtedly a solid performer. Is he a top eight starting hooker, though? I'm not sold on that. I'm happy to be proven wrong. And Toby Sexton, obviously, very green. They've got a number of other players that just aren't quite starting halves. They've got Will Smith. They've got Tanner Boyd. They just haven't been able to pin down this this halves combination. Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson's ability is undeniable. If they can find someone that can play a foil to those two, then, again, they, they could be fifth or sixth quite easily with the forward pack that they've got. Like their forward pack, when you look at it, Isaac Liu, David Fafita, Bo Furmore, who was an absolute find for them last year, uh, Tino and Big Mo, um, before you even look at the likes of Lasoni and Jared Wallace on the bench. I mean, they've got an origin prop on the bench. So, uh, yeah, the sky's the limit if they can get their, their halves and spine firing. Yeah, mate, that's what I've got written here. They're, they're still a young squad and they're still... Still sort of building. Um, obviously, a lot of young young guys there and young Tinos. Um, and he's what 21, 22, and he's already um, been named captain of the side for this year. So um, good on him for for, um, for getting that. And then it does show that they're still probably um, building for the next couple of years um, with how how young, um, youthful that their squad still is. Um, I, I do agree. I'm not sold on Aaron Clark um, as, as a starting top eight hooker myself. Um, I, and, but yeah, as you said, like they've all got their, they've got these bits and pieces, guys. You know, like um, oh, who did you mention there? Tanner Boyd, Tanner Boyd, Will stuff. Smith, uh, even yeah. even Paul Turner, who's played a bit of hooker as well. Yeah. Like they're just they don't have a well, starting hooker in their squad. No, they're just all bits and pieces that can fill in and do a job off the bench. But yeah, there's still a bit a few question marks around around that for sure. Yeah, if they can make a splash in the market for a nine for season 2023, then with the rest of the youthful squad they've got there. Um, you know, like, I mean, realistically, there's only a couple of players there that are on the wrong side of the age bracket. Kevin Proctor, who's on the fringes as well, another international on their bench. 
um, and probably Corey Thompson. Outside of that, everyone else has got a few years in them. So um, there's plenty plenty of uh, potential in this squad. And, you know, they've got guys like Herman SASA um, and Sam McIntyre who would start at probably half the clubs in the NRL, if not, you know, be on the bench for 10 of them. So um, those guys aren't even making their 17 in terms of the, the forward pack. My player to watch, though, is uh, none other than Patrick Herbert. Uh, he's a diamonds and uh, a rocks and diamonds sort of player in the SKD mould. He can be absolutely electric at times and then he can not pass the ball when he should to get them through to the next week of, of finals. So, yeah, I think if, if he can fire in that back line, both their centres are probably similar in that regard, he and Brian Kelly, but um, they've got huge potential and huge upside if they can fire. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure he, I'm sure he still has nightmares um, over that uh, non, non-thrown pass against the Roosters that would have... Uh, and then pull off a massive upset to start the final series. So, um, yeah, hopefully his and Corey Thompson's relationship isn't uh, is still all right since that was obviously famous. Corey Thompson was uh, quite upset uh, from memory at that. But I've actually got Jaden Campbell um, as my player to watch. Um, starting, um, we'll, you know, should get the full full season um, crack at fullback. Um, obviously came in towards the back end a little bit last year and he burst onto the scene and. Uh, very much a similar fight in a similar mold to his, to his old man. Um, yeah, young and just full of uh, just full of energy. And uh, yeah, he, I think um, he will uh, he'll, he'll just continue to improve. And uh, yeah, as I said, Titans are a young squad, and he's um, one of the youngest there. And he'll uh, he'll he's still got improving to do, but we'll, we'll see plenty more magic from Jaden Campbell this year. Yeah, we certainly will. He's fortunate that he weighs a few more kilos than his old man. Otherwise, he might have been in some trouble. I think the way he carries that ball back at the line, like he thinks he's 100 kilos. But anyway, uh, yeah. let, let's head a little bit um, a little bit further north and uh, touch on the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, I've got these guys. The headline is, moving on up, but how far? Uh, obviously, the big signing is Adam Reynolds. They've added a couple of other key players, including Capewell as well. So... Where's the ceiling and where's the floor for the Brisbane Broncos? Yeah, that's a good question. I've also got uh, a yeah, note here that they will be better off for the last two years. Um, obviously, a couple of years ago, um, they won the spoon, and, but they did improve last year. And um, there was a couple of games that really stood out for me. Um, obviously, when they knocked off the Roosters um, at the SC, that was obviously a massive, massive um, surprise, massive upset, and it showed that they can compete with some of those um, hot tier sides. And, but before that, um, yeah, when everyone was predicting them to get beat by 50, um, they put up a massive fight against um, the eventual premiers in the Panthers. So uh, whether they can produce that every week is still yet to be seen. Um, but I can see them uh, you know, pushing up close as a sneaky little dark horse, potentially close to that top eight this year. Yeah, I, I can see them being right on the fringe. I think they'll fall a step short, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them be in that next couple of tier or even, you know, two to three rounds out, still be in that fight. So it'll be interesting to see. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen a squad with so many halves in it. Like, normally you get there and teams are unsure between one or two halves, but, you know, you've got Walters, you've got Kelly, you've got um, the other one that's escaped me, but then they've named Tyrone Roberts on their bench. They've got Ezra Mam, they've got Tamare Martin. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's crazy. And um, some of the selections for this week, which we'll get to in a moment... Um, is, uh, yeah, it's certainly going to be, uh, I guess, interesting to see what the Broncos end up with their 17 looking like with a few few late changes expected. But um, who's your player to watch at the Brisbane Broncos? I've got uh, I've got Jordan Ricky. I thought he really impressed towards the back end of last year on that right edge. Um, and I think he'll 
he'll improve out of sight running off at running off Adam Reynolds now. Um, massive um, upgrade on on the halves um, that were playing there at the Broncos last year. So that, I mean, that whole right edge to be honest for the Broncos will be pretty lethal, and I think that will start with Jordan Ricky um, improving out of sight this year. Yeah, he's got a lot of potential, as does the man that I have flagged, and that is none other than Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, Cobbo, absolutely, I, I do not doubt that his ceiling is in the Inglis-Mitchell range um, as a fullback, and I think it'll only be a matter of time before he um, possibly takes that number one jersey um, from Isaaco and New. He is an absolute phenomenal athlete. We, I saw him in some of the Queensland Cup. But again, like Mitchell and Inglis at club level, when he was playing in the Queensland Cup, would turn it on when he saw fit. So he's going to need to be much more consistent with that. But if their forward pack can hit their ceiling and go forward and he can eventually get a chance at one or even in the centres, um, yeah, it's certainly... I think there's a lot of upside to sell one Cobbo in 2022. Yeah, I like that shot for sure. It's uh, Yeah, big call. Um saying he's in the English and Mitchell mould, but I don't, I don't think that's, a, that's far off the mark at all. He looks like an absolute weapon. and um, I don't know if we'll get the best out of him this year. Um, I think he'll probably start on the wing, um, but if he can get a crack at fullback, it'll be really interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kevy give him a bit of free range once he's settled into that wing role. Um, you know, similar yep. to sort of, again, don't want to throw him into this boat, but just for, for listeners, similar to the, the free-range role that Trebojevic had in a bit of origin, there'll be there'll be games where he'll, he'll be let off the lead, I think, and there'll be other games where he'll just have to play his role in the team. So I think watch him. He'll be another one that, you know, if he fires even on the wing just with his power and athleticism, maybe in the mix for Rookie of the Year. Next up, we're looking at another side that has signed, well, they've signed a lot. Time will tell whether they've signed well. On paper, they've signed very well. They've, the, the Bulldogs... They've signed Josh Adokar, Tavita Pengai Jr., um, Paul Vaughan, Matt Duffy, Matt Duffy, sorry, uh, Burton, and Brent Naden, both from the uh, defending champion Penrith. So it's well, technically three players that have come via Penrith in, in Pengai Jr. as well after his little brief cameo there at the end of the season. On paper, that is the difference between a cellar dweller and a knocking on the door of the top eight side, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, mate, they have recruited really well. As you said, it'll be remains to be seen how well. Um, but obviously, yeah, they'll be a massively improved side on on the last um, last few years. Um, been, seems like it's been quite a while since they've you know, really been outside of that cellar dweller range. Um, yeah, those players will obviously um, improve their massively. Yeah, Matt Burton's a superstar. Um, whether he uh, shows it as much this year in, in the Bulldogs side compared to being at the Panthers last year remains to be seen. But yeah, that will be better. They'll be better off for sure this year. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. And of course, how how could I miss Maitland's own Max King as well joining them from the Storm? Uh, the the question for me is is the seven jersey? Do they have a legitimate seven? It's a little bit like uh, the Titans. They've manufactured what what looks to be a solid nine in Jeremy Marshall King. And they've shoehorned him in there, and he's played reasonably well last year. But Burton's going to have a lot on his shoulders. Um, the other question I have is around their outside backs. I still don't have a lot of faith in Jade Nockenbaugh. Um, yeah. Their forward pack, though, on paper, Luke Thompson, Paul Vaughan, Tavita Pengai Jr., Josh Jackson. You know, you put those guys, every one of them starts at pretty much any club in the competition, um, and a number of them are representative stars in their own right. Pengai Jr., if he can channel himself again, He's one of those guys where you know the sky's almost the limit, but yeah, Burton's the player to watch for mine. How much weight can he take on his shoulders as the key, as opposed to being the, the fourth or fifth fiddle 
um, in terms of, of star billing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, mate. He's, um, as I said, he's an absolute superstar, and um, it, it just yeah, just reminds me seeing how much um, of the of the load he can carry. Because as you said, they're still probably um, looking for a halfback. Um, you know, they've got Jake Averill there. He's, yeah, he like he he does a job, but um, you know, he's not one of these um, real real top guys. So I think Matt Burton will have to take a lot of that. Um, you know, a lot of the kicking game, and uh, I think a lot of the a lot of their play will be funneled through him. So. Just remains to be seen how much of it, um, how much of the weight he can carry. Yeah, agreed. Another one to watch is obviously young Bailey Beyondi Odo, who was absolutely electric. He's almost like a, a Ben Barber at, at, his, at his youth, um, the way he can just spark open a game. And, and he'll be interesting to see how they, they utilize him as the year winds on as well. But who was your player to watch for the dogs, mate? Yeah, mate, it actually was Bailey Beyondi Odo, is my player to watch. Um, I totally agree with everything you just said there. Um, he, Got a bit of a crack off the back, uh, the back end of last year, and I was incredibly impressed, to be honest. He's an absolute live wire um, out of dummy half. And I think, um, obviously, with this very quick game that we've still um, still got in the NRL, obviously, massively, uh, massive points and everything we saw last year, the game has sped up massively. And I think he hits that mold perfectly coming off the bench at the end of each half. I'm um, running around some tied forwards, and he made a couple of guys look silly last year. He certainly did. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, lo- I like seeing that just... It's it's something our game has missed in in probably you know going back a couple of years and it's what's been livened up in the last couple of years so uh, undoubtedly those sparks will be uh, you know hard to come by and very valuable uh, he's got a very Matt Bowen coming off the bench in Origin vibe to him for some reason for me um, just you know he doesn't really have a position that he necessarily has to play but he's just going to go on there and just wreak some havoc yeah no I totally agree I'm I'm big on him for sure I think he's just he's a superstar in the making. All right, let's move along to the next category. We've got the making up the numbers, uh, and we'll try and fire through these reasonably quickly. We'll start with the Dragons. Now, they've impressed me in the trials, but we talked about it off-air. Trials, you know, you can only take so much from them because it's very much about who you're coming up against and, you know, it's unlimited interchange and all these other things. It's, it's a good exposure for players. It's a good exposure for fans to get warmed into the season to start seeing some of those guys that, you know, might be on the fringes and get a bit of an idea of who's sitting out there. But, yeah, I, I can't put too much faith in trial form. And the two question marks I have over the Dragons um, is the consistency, consistency slash May Premier's um, curse and their youth. Those two things, consistency and youth combined together, don't often play out too well. Yeah, mate, I totally agree. Um, Their perennial uh, May Premier's, aren't they? They always come out, of the, come out of the blocks absolutely firing and then they you know, end up bottoming out and missing the eight completely. So um, that seems to be, yeah, the perennial chokers a little bit dragging. So we'll see if they can uh, improve on that this year. But as you said, there's a couple of issues there that, that do need addressing. I'm also concerned by anyone that has to start Aaron Woods in round one, but that's a whole other story we'll get into in a moment. Who's your player to watch for the St. George Illawarra Dragons in 2022? Yeah, man, I've got um, Jack Bird. Um Looks like he's going to be playing uh, on the edge this year, and I, I think that's a that's a good shout. Um, I think that'll that'll be a um, really good fill, um, really good spot for him there. Um, he's you know he's on contract, he's off contract at the end of this year, so I think I think he'll be ripping in and uh, yeah, looking to secure a good pay packet, whether it's at the Dragons. I don't seem to be a few whispers that he's not too happy there, so I think he might be yeah ripping in and trying to trying to get a um, contract for maybe a new club for next year. I think. Um, I think he'll um, be a star for them uh, on the edge. 
Yeah, certainly plenty of potential about him. Uh, it's been hype for a long time. He's had a pretty rough run. He's played pretty much every position but prop and hooker. So uh, we'll wait and see. But um, I mean, he's he's not the he's not the smallest body even for a second row. But I'm just looking at the size of the guys that they've got outside him in the likes of you know you've got Suli and Ravalawa. You've got Jaden Sewer on one edge as well. I wouldn't want to be defending against the Dragons' edges when they're in the right mood. Uh, unfortunately, they've got a lot of players that all have to be in the right mood. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely it, isn't it? They've you know, got the likes of Suli and Ravalawa who, um, you know, on their day, they're, they're as damaging as anyone in the comp, but that's on their day. And whether they can get many days where, you know, they get both of those guys and, and a few others to really fire on that same day, then they could be, you know, they can be a force, but it just seems to be a bit few and far between uh, for some of these guys. And then if that's not enough, if anyone gets injured in the outside backs, they've got Tao Tao Moga, who, again, talking of injury curses, if he can get fit, again, we we know what he can deliver. Um, my player to watch, I split it here. It was the two young guns, and they'll start in the one and six jersey this weekend. Uh, Tyrell Sloan and uh, I'm going to go with Junior Amone because uh, it's a little bit less of a mouthful. The two of them both highly hyped juniors. We've seen glimpses of what they can do, especially as they've come through the lower grades. If one of them hits 90 to 100% of their potential this year, that could be the difference between the Dragons running sort of 12th and running maybe even being in the mix for 8th come the, the back end of the season. Yeah, mate. We saw both of those guys um, get a crack in first grade by the end of last year. And um, I think that was the best thing that could have happened to them is to, to see a bit of first grade once they um, were out of that running for the 8th. So um, I think they'll be very much better off for the for the run of getting a start last year. And they're, they're both superstars in the making too. And they've got, um, yeah, they're, they're sky's the limit for these two boys. Agreed. Moving on, we'll go to the, their round one opponents, the New Zealand Warriors or the Sunshine Coast Warriors, as they'll be for the start of this season at least. My concern, my question, my query, is it going to be the same old story from the Warriors? So much talent, so much potential, so little execution. Hey, that's been, that's been the Warriors manager for the last however many years honestly they, I can't remember the last time that they really maybe 2011 I think was when they made the grand final against Manly probably haven't really hit those heights since then but they've as you said they've they've got all the talent all the ability in the world but they just can't seem to put it together consistently enough to have a red hot crack at uh, in, in the finals yeah 100% and look it's it's not helping that you know I don't think they're settled on what their halves uh, like Harris Tavita's probably in the box seat, but he's going to get shifted at, to start the season while Walsh is out. Again, like the Broncos, they've got a cast of a thousand halves. You know, they've got Harris Tavita, they've got Cody Nicarima, they've got Ash Taylor. You know, obviously Sean Johnson's going to have one of those those spots, but he's another one that just hasn't really delivered in the last few years. And I, I hope that being back in New Zealand is the, is the key to it for him. And um, yeah, it's it's certainly a bit of a bizarre situation, but they also just don't have anyone that just puts that fear in like they used to have in terms of their forwards. They just, you know, Fanua Blake even, he just isn't what he was once upon a time. You know, Murdoch Masilla, he comes back. Does he add much? I'll believe it when I see it. There's just no one there in in the, the mould of some of those players back in the day, the Joe Varganars that would just run over the top of players. They seem to be 13 blokes predominantly trying to play touch football and I just don't see how that works even in the sped-up game. So... It'll be an interesting one to see, and you know I think the pressure all falls on the the man who'll fill the big shoes of Roger Tuivasa-Sheck for most of the season in Reese Walsh. 
Um, he's probably one of the best sorts in the NRL and he's going to have to be one of the best players if he's going to take the Warriors deep into this season. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, that sounds a couple of whispers. I don't even know if he wants to be there uh, next year at the Warriors. So that makes me question his uh, his commitment to the club this year. So, um, he's, yeah, he's going to have to be massive for them to, to be competing. Um, and, yeah, as you said, SJ is another year older. Um, and I just found it really funny why they signed Ash Taylor. You know, they were already, you know, got a bit of a clog up in the halves there. And it, that just adds, I guess, to the to the question marks and who's going to play there. I don't think he'll get a start, but it just seemed like a bit of a funny signing to me. So, yeah, I think there's just too many question marks here for the, here for the Warriors. But uh, my player to watch, um, I know you mentioned the forwards, um, you know, probably don't um, put the fear factor into, like they used to with the likes of Ruben Wiki, um, et cetera. But I think Josh Curran is, um, he's an outstanding player. He really, um, I mean, he, he was around before last year, but I, I thought he was outstanding um, last year, especially when Tohu Harris went down. Um, I thought Josh Curran was massive on that on that right edge for them, and um, he's, I think he's an absolute gun. He just rips in, and he will just tackle anything in front of him. He'll run as hard as he can. He's you know he's got an offload in him. He he can find the he can find the try line as well. So I think he's got a lot of upside, Josh Curran. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's a bit bigger body than these two guys, but he reminds me very much of that Dallas Johnson, uh, Alan Tung sort of work ethic where he just, like, if you said to him, I need you to run through that brick wall and then I need you to climb that 20-metre wall and then I need you to jump off there and do a forward roll, he'd be like, right, that's what I've got to do if that's what the coach says. Like, And, yeah. you know, he's not fancy, he's not pretty, um, he's not great at running into tunnels either, we discovered last year. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, he's going to be the heartbeat of that pack. I think probably alongside Jazz Tavanga, the two of them both a little bit undersized, but will just work their, their rear ends off. And if they got told they had to play in the halves together, they'd probably make a go of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They'll do anything. They're, they're the kind of uh, players that coaches love, aren't they? They're those blokes that you want, you know, in positions 11 through to 17, not necessarily in jersey number. But, you know, you want your... your four or five stu- you know superstars, the top-tier players, four or five guns, and then you just want... You know, six to seven just absolute workhorses that don't question anything, roll up the sleeves and just do exactly what you ask of them. And um, unfortunately for him, he's probably realistically in the, the first to top of the second tier at the Warriors where that shouldn't be the role that he needs to play. But uh, anyway, we will move on from the Warriors and we will uh, open up the uh, the card for what is undoubtedly going to be a long spiel about uh, your beloved Newcastle Knights, Smithy. What can we expect in season 2022 from the Newcastle Knights. And the big question that's on everyone's lips, is Kalen Ponga going to go to Redcliffe? Because that man you just talked about, Reese Walsh, is probably their second choice if they don't get Ponga. Yeah, mate. There's, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but I think there's a big drop-off coming. I think everyone's sort of predicting a little bit, so it's not um, too too crazy to say that. I think they will drop off outside the eight very much this year. And um, obviously... Mitchell Pearce is a huge loss. Now they've got Clune and um, Jake Clifford in the halves, which I'm really questioning. Um, Blake, uh, not Blake Braley. Jaden Braley is obviously injured for at least half of the season, which is a massive, massive loss. Um, and even news to come out today that um, Dan Safidi is uh, going to miss the first few weeks at least of the season um, with a, a slight fracture in his leg um, from the trials, which is yeah, which is um, massive as well. So, yeah, I, I've been hearing that Ponga... He's going to stay around beyond this year, um, but yeah, like even he can't carry them though. Like yeah, their attack and defense, like their attack, even with him and Pearson as well last year, their attack was was pretty average. I mean, they ended up with a point differential of minus one hundred and forty three, like, and they came seventh. Like it's 
yeah, that's just I, I just can't see the improvement. Like the players have lost. Um, how is that points difference going to improve? I just can't see how it does. Yeah, it's certainly not something that you think is going to turn around in in year one, um, being twenty twenty two, being year one. I think Adam O'Brien's the right man to continue steering the ship. He seems to have you know a bit of a structure there, but they've just got to find a way to you know I guess keep the players around. He's got some interesting approaches to things. I'm intrigued to see the fact that he's really pushed Kurt Mann to thirteen, playing Barnett off the bench. Um, there's some really exciting young talent that we saw during the trials that I thought was really impressive. Uh, Leo Thompson looks. Um, like he's got a, a pretty big ceiling. Uh, Simi, Simi Sasagi, also a very talented player who I think, you know, once we see a bit of him during the year, he'll be he'll be one of those players again. He can play in the back row, he can play in the halves, he can play in the centres, he can play at fullback. Um, he's the, you know, they're the sorts of players, but you need that marquee. And I know that Pong is there, but I don't wonder if he re-signs, if, if he eventually, you know, they trialled it previously, but especially under the tutelage of, of Joey, maybe moves into the halves in future years and that might be a bit more of the long-term plan. Uh, you've obviously got um, the young Englishman, Bailey Hodgson, who um, will, who's an out-and-out fullback as well, who may may progress there as he ages to, to move into that fullback role. But that's a, a lot of looking to 2023 and beyond. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty rough year this year, as you said. Um, I think, you know, Chris Randall will be very serviceable. We saw him, you know, what he could do in terms of he'll tackle his backside off until the cows come home. But... Um, being the fittest bloke on the field doesn't always make you the, the best footballer. Um, you know, that man we talked about before, Andrew Johns, is probably a great example of that. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Chris Randall, obviously, is um, you know, a serviceable replacement for Braley, but, yeah, as you said, he probably just doesn't have that upside. He'll tackle anything. Um, he'll tackle just as much as Jaden Braley would, but he probably just doesn't have that upside um, and offering as much in attack as, you know, Braley would. So, yeah, Braley's a massive, massive loss, so... Uh, my player to watch is actually Jake Seaford. I thought he looked um, quite solid. I know we can't read overly much into the trials, but I thought he um, probably took on a bit more of, of a role than he did um, when he came to the Knights last year. And I think he um, demanded a bit more of the ball. Um, and I thought, yeah, I thought he looked quite solid. And I think he yeah, demanded a bit more of the ball. Um, I know Taylor Pong was pretty quiet during the trials, but I thought, yeah, I, th- I think Clifford will need to step up if the Knights are to, to do anything this year. Yeah, so I think Clune's probably better than he was um, in position at the Dragons, but he's just been caught behind. You know, they've had obviously Whitter, Marshall, Hunt over the last few years um, in terms of moving that role. But I think Clifford will have to be the, the dominant half. Um, he's got a bit more experience. Clune will probably be the key to the kicking and, and some of the ball playing, but I think Clifford might be doing a lot of the organising and, and structuring of things. So I, I like what you've talked about there. I was um, a little bit. Uh, split on my uh, points here in terms of who to watch. I had Leo Thompson down as one of them, but we've talked about him and obviously his upside. But the one for me is Dominic Young. He looks an absolutely different player this year in the trials. Um, I heard Adam O'Brien talking about him and saying that obviously last year he'd uh, come from the UK, um, moved moved out of home for the first time, moved halfway across the world, moved into our summer from their winter. There was a whole lot of shock factors going on and a lot of of, uh, adjusting, I think. So... Um, I think that uh, once they get everyone back and they've got probably him and Hunt outside Gagai and Best, the key might be for their halves while they're settling in to get a lot of early ball out wide and uh, let them do some work. Um, and then obviously you've got Edric Lee waiting in the wings as well, pardon the pun. So um, I think, yeah, they've certainly got some some strength in their outside backs the Knights. Um, how that works in terms of things things in terms of their halves, etc. I'm not quite sure, but if Ponga can link in and use those edges, then... 
I think they can be competitive in a number of fixtures, but I just don't see them competing for a top eight spot um, with what they've got there. And uh, yeah, if they if they have a really rough start to the season, um, watch uh, Braley return later and watch Ponga really consider his options. Yeah, mate, I absolutely agree with all that. They've got quite a quite a tough draw to start the season with too. So um, keep an eye on that. I don't think they'll. Uh, yeah, I think they'll be starting quite slowly. Unfortunately. Thank you for my boys. Yeah, I agree, mate. We'll move on, and it's the the, the cellar, the last two, the unenviable spots. Uh, mate, um, you wouldn't want to be here, but based on the fact that we're tipping them, they'll probably uh, they'll probably end up being dark horses for the eight. Let's start with the West Tigers, uh, and um, I'll I'll kick this one off. The line I've put down here is: if nothing changes, nothing changes. Uh, basically, I don't see enough in what they've signed and what they've brought in to see a revolutionary change in the positive direction. Mate, that's pretty much exactly what I wrote. Just worded it a bit differently. I said, how will they get better this year? Where, where's their improvement going to come from? You know, Adam Dewey was, I thought, in my opinion, far and away their best player last year, and then he's gone for half the year. So, I, yeah. I mean, they picked up Jackson Hastings, um, who I think will be... Um, I don't know if he's got absolute upside that Dewey probably produced last year, but but he'll be very solid. And, uh, he'll be a good pickup for them. But yeah, yep. besides that, I just where where are they going to improve? Agreed. Um, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot to talk about. There's some exciting players there, but I just the cohesion wasn't there last year. I think and by leaving is probably a plus. Um, he yeah. seemed to really muddy and confuse the waters for for Michael Maguire in terms of where to play people. I don't doubt that. The Dragons are going to have the same query about paying someone as much money as they are and where the bloody hell do we pay play him because New South Wales Cup for that much money isn't the right answer, but it probably is the right answer in the long term. Um, but in terms of the Tigers, my player to watch, and I was fortunate enough I've watched both of the Tigers trials live, um, is Luciano Leilua. I have not seen him so up and about at any point in his NRL career. He was pushing up in the line. He scored a really good try. I think it was off Hastings' kick. Just pushing up in the line, asking for the ball, wanting to get through work. And he's very dangerous because he's basically, like his brother, He's a, he's got a centre's brain and he's in a back rower's body, well and truly a back rower's body. But he's more mobile and he's more about than I've seen him in years gone by. And if... If he, along with a couple of their other young forwards, can get up and about, then, again, I don't think they're going to rattle the top eight, but they'll upset some people along the way, and, you know, it might be enough to see them move from, you know, 15th through up, up to 9th or 10th, and, you know, pardon the running joke about the Tigers finishing 9th, but finishing 9th would be a successful season for them in 2022. Yeah, mate, no, I totally agree, mate. Lucy Leilua was massive against the Bruce's in that trial on the Central Coast. He, uh, he was very, very solid last year and was one of their best, but... He looked a different man um, in that trial. He looked like a man possessed. So we, uh, I hope to see him, um, you know, continue on that trajectory because he was he was awesome to watch. He can offload from any in any tackle. I think that he's wrapped up and he, he'll sneak a ball away. Or he's so for, for a guy who's so bulky, he's, he's also rangy at the same time. And the other thing that I loved, and he did it a couple of times before they managed to execute it for that try. Well, he was pushing up hard and flat the line, asking for that little kick in behind. And because he is mobile and he's quick off the mark. He's a real threat there, and I'll put it out there. It's not going to be my headline, but he'll get at least two to three tries during the year pushing up doing that, which second row is doing that is, is you know, a nice little addition because he'll also get probably three or four barging over from short distance as well as setting up a few with his offload. So put him down for probably half a dozen tries and half a dozen try assists in 2022, I reckon. Yeah, no, totally agree. He's got massive, massive upside there on the right edge for the Tigers. 
Um, my player to watch, I, I did mention Jackson Hastings before. I think he'll be very solid. Um, so I had to, I had him split with um, Stefano Udicamano. Um, he's a, um, a young um, up-and-comer, and he was really solid for them last year, especially towards the back end of the year. When he, when he got that starting spot, um, he was he was awesome for the Tigers there. And he, uh, I think he was 18th or 19th man as well, a bit like Keon Kalamatungi, yep. close to that New South Wales um, jersey. I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he... Um, yeah, put his hand up and got close to that. Um, if not, getting a getting a bench spot there for the Blues because he was he was massive um, back end of the year for the Tigers, and he he doesn't mind a, a meat pie as well. He's uh, he's he's a lot quicker than probably you'd probably give him credit for for being a front rower. He probably I dare say is probably the quickest front row on the game because he scored a couple of tries last year where he you know he, he burnt some players that probably weren't expecting it. Yeah, mate, um, it's good to see. They've got some mobility in their forward pack and some toe, which is always uh, interesting. But Josh Papali'i might might argue that case. I'm sure he's been talking to Jamal Fogarty about it all preseason. Um, <laughs> but let's move along, mate, and finally wrap it up with Team 16, and that is the North Queensland Cowboys. Well, we've, we've pinned them to the cellar, but what does season 2022 look like for the North Queensland Cowboys and why? Mate, uh- Weak. Uh, that's all I've written down. They've they got the weakest roster in the comp, um, and I, I can't see how they don't finish in the bottom couple um, in this Celador range. There, yeah, I, I mean, I'm yep. baffled at why they spent was it eight hundred thousand a year for Chad Townsend. Yeah, I'm just yeah, I, I I don't have an answer for that. They're spending huge money on a centre as well, and you know, um, I understand why they've moved him there, but. It's, yeah, it's, I've, I've put some similar comments. Low-tier spine, minimal stars, back to the early days of the Cowboys. When, and when I talk the early days, we're talking the mid-90s when they first came into the comp and they were battling. So I just, I look at their spine and, you know, the hammer, yeah, look, he's got some real upside to him. We saw what he could do last year and, and poked his head into representative football. But he's literally, all, all the excitement in their spine, like Reese Robson, well, is it Reese Robson? Is it Jake Granville? Will Ruben Cotter play a little bit there? Um, you know, what What do we look at there? And then, you know, again, six and seven, Tom Dearden and Chad Townsend, they're not striking fear into opposition or hope into the hearts of your, your faithful. Like, I'll, I'll take Jake Avarillo over, over Tom Dearden and, you know, most other, most other sevens over, you know, Chad Townsend sort of thing. Like, it's, yeah, they, they, they haven't structured their, their cap well. Um, they haven't spent well. I don't know whether they're in that scenario that other clubs have been in in Canberra or in a couple of years ago where they've just got to overpay to get anyone to come to Townsville. I actually think Townsville's a really nice place. It's a bit humid, but, you know, um, you can probably fly under the radar a little bit more and, um, you know, live a different lifestyle to what you might live in the, in the fishbowl of Sydney or uh, even Newcastle. But it's, it's, yeah, it's perplexing as to what they're doing there. I thought Todd Payton would be delivering more than this. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. There's just there's not much upside in this in this side at all. Um, just you, you just got to look at the halves, as you said. Dearden and Townsend are just I just think they're plotters. I'm, yeah, they're, how they're both starting at the same team in an NRL club baffles me. Yeah, really does. Yeah, agree. Um, but you know, we've got we've got them there. Who's your player to watch? Um, I've, got, I've actually split a couple here. I've gone the two um, edge forwards. I've gone Jeremiah Nanai and Elam Lukey. Um, they burst onto the scene a bit towards the back end of last year, come mainly off the bench. Um, it looks like they've both been given the green green light to be their, 
two starting back rows for the for the year. And um, I've heard I've heard some really good things about these these two young fellas. So keep an eye on them for this year in the in a side that probably won't be producing much much magic. Maybe these two boys could be their shining light. Yeah, look, I think on paper there's some there's some exciting forwards there. Um, we've seen Jermaine Tanoa Brown previously. You know, he's a fairly handy footballer. Cohen Hess, we obviously know what um, Ivan Drago can produce when he's in form. Um, yeah. But the man that I've put here, and it's it's kind of a like he owes the money in my in my mind. Like you know, Jason Taumalolo. Like we saw people crucify Anthony Milford for being on a million a year and producing nothing. And I know Taumalolo's had his minutes limited and all these things, but he just looked a shadow of he looked a shadow of an, an NRL first grade, let alone a shadow of what Jason Taumalolo is last year. And you know, at the end of the day, he he might need to you know personally go around to each of the members and give them ten dollars each back. If if he can't perform this year, mate, I totally agree. That probably was the biggest mistake the Cowboys have made is signing him on that monster ten year deal. And as you said last year, he was he was a shadow of the, of the Daly M Player of the Year that he was a few years ago. And mate, I mean, everyone kept saying he had massive minutes drop last year, but I was looking, he, he played fifty nine minutes a game last year, and in the years gone by, he'd been like sixty one to sixty four sort of minutes. So I mean, he lost a couple of minutes, but yeah, it, I think that. In those minutes was was not a lot. Yeah, I, I think the, the the thing was he had those games previously where he would play eighty minutes, whereas he didn't really have any of those last year where he played eighty minutes. You know, when he'd go on a tear, previous coaches just kind of went, "He's running over the top of everyone. We will leave him to keep running over the top of everyone." But Todd Payton didn't have any reason to pick any of those games out and leave them, which would have dragged his average up those four or five minutes that you talk about. But he just consistently played fifty five to. 59, you know, 55 to 60 minutes every game and didn't really do anything. So uh, hopefully he comes out, makes a statement and, you know, there's no better test than, um, you know, coming up against a Bulldogs pack that'll, that'll obviously, as we said, they'll be stacked this week and they'll be having a red hot crack and we'll get into that one in a minute. But yeah, love to see the Cowboys prove me wrong because I think a strong Cowboys is, is really key for the NRL. But yeah, I don't see them really finding their way out of the cellar, and I'll be surprised if they win more than a handful of games in 2022. Yeah, mate, totally agree. I don't think they'll be, they'll be much to celebrate up north this year. Well, that's a wrap of the team's season preview, but we're going to go through and fire through a few key predictions um, before we get into round one really quickly, full well knowing that we're up over an hour already. Let's go through these, mate. Um, Smithy, who are your premiers? And if you've got a runner-up on who you think they're going to knock off in the grand final, then then feel free to throw that in as well. I hate to be boring, but I have gone the uh, Melbourne Storm this year. Um, as we said, they're probably the last year before they've got a few big names, um, like the Bromwich boys and all that leaving. I'm leaving the club, so I'm going to pick them to, to win the comp. And maybe I'll say the Roosters to uh, be runners-up. Well, your runners-up are my premiers. I'm going to go the Roosters to win the comp. Uh, Luke Keary will pick up the Clive Churchill medal, and they will defeat the Parramatta Eels in the grand final. Uh, the Eels to make a sneaky run and have a big battle of the West the week before the grand final, Parramatta v Penrith. So that'd uh, get some bums on seats at a core stadium, you'd have to think. Yeah, mate, I don't mind that shout at all. I was actually looking a bit earlier um, on Sportsbet, and I think that's $51 is the, is the Roosters versus Eels grand final, which I think is great value. It's like it's like you knew what I was going to say, mate, and I hadn't even shared my notes. There you go. 
All right, let's move along and let's go. Well, while we're on high performance, let's go Dally M Medal. Who is your Dally M Medalist for season 2022? Yeah, I'm going to go with your Roosters team here and I'm going to go uh, James Tedesco to win the Dally M. Um, he was, I, I thought he was very solid last year um, in a side that was very weak and uh, he was he was massive for them. And with their big names, big names back this year, in the likes of Kiri, uh, I think he will improve out of sight. And um, he's Seems to be somewhat injury-free um, coming into this year, which is um, always a bonus, and he'll he'll um, he'll be huge for the Roosters this year in a in a premiership push. Yeah, I um, I was very wary because it's always interesting. Obviously, the teams where players and Melbourne have been, you know, I guess beset by this in previous years, where players really steal points off each other. But again, I couldn't find an argument against the Roosters if the Roosters are going to be my premiers. Um, I had an asterisk with Cameron Munster if he can stay fit and stay out of trouble, but I've ended up going with Luke Keary uh, coming back, and he's going to take the trifecta for me. He's going to take out the Dally M, the Clive Churchill, and the Premiership, um, and that'll be some some return from injury for him. So that's my uh, Dally M. Let's talk top try scorers. Um, I told you, I, I did hint to you before the show that I couldn't split two players. Um, who do you have as your uh, try scorer? And, and while you're doing that, I'll try and bring up Sportsbet and see if I can dig out the odds so that we can give people a bit of an idea on, on where the, the value might be. Yeah, I've gone probably a bit boring. I think I've gone the favourite um, across most bookmakers. I've gone Tommy Turbo. I mean, he scored 28 tries in 18 games last year. And, uh, you know, Manly, Manly will be just as good this year, I think. So, and, and I, I hear, can he back up what he did last year? Maybe, maybe not to that extent. But you know, if he plays twenty four games, he could still very much get near that thirty mark, which is unheard of usually. Yeah, it definitely is unheard of. And uh, it looks like Xavier Coates is actually the favourite now at the Storm, ten dollars ahead of Johnson and Trebojevic at eleven. Before you start going out to the field, and uh, my players will certainly be uh, out in the field a little bit. I've gone a split between Ruben Garrick at twenty one dollars. Uh, for the Seagulls, I think he's going to go to another level this year. Um, as we talked about, we know there's plenty of tries in that Seagull side. And uh, the man that I've got um, alongside him, $67. Jot this one down. Bailey Simonson at the Eels. I think absolute value there. He could, um, if once they start to figure out that they can kick to him, um, watch Mitch Moses start using his athleticism as well as, uh, you know, I think with that, reinvigorated back line we talked about before, depending on who they pair him up with in the centres. If they pair him up with Panasini, um, it could be um, fairly electric out on that right edge and then hammer blows on the left edge with Wunga Blake and uh, Mike Acevo. But I'm not sure whether they'll want to do that because defending those two next to each other could be a uh, recipe for disaster. <laughs> yeah, it could be for sure. But I do, I do like that as a, as a massive value value play that uh, you should probably get to, uh, to be able to ride that through through the year, I think. Yeah, I mean, a starting winger out at sixty-seven dollars in a top top four pot potential side. Um, I think that's some some good odds there. Um, yep. Moving on, mate, the rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I alluded to this a bit earlier um, in uh, the Panthers um, preview, and I, I have gone with Isaac Tago um, as my rookie of the year. I think he'll slot that Panthers left edge is you know one of the most lethal in the comp, and there are quite a few that left edges that are that are lethal, but. Um, if, if Isaac Taylor can do anything like what Matt Burton did out at left centre for Penrith last year, then he'll go a long way to, to winning Rookie of the Year. Lovely, mate. I have gone and bled green as I do, and I've gone with Xavier Savage, mate. He is absolutely electric. I think he's just going to have to, he's going to continue to stay the case for why Ricky has to put him in that side. We've already seen with this week's team that 
he's prepared to really look at who's in his back line. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a start on the wing and uh, potentially even unseat Chance Nickel Klockstad for the number one jersey. And Nickel Klockstad may move into the centres with changes in the centres there during the year. Um, Nickel Klockstad also played a bit of 5-8 in the preseason in the half. So Schneider fails at half. Don't be surprised to see him get injected potentially into the halves as well. So there's a few options there. They've obviously got Sam Williams in the wings as well. But I just think Xavier Savage is, you know, we talked about beyond Diodo before. He's one of those guys that can just break open a game. And he may even see time from the bench because we saw Ricky last year used, uh, obviously, Jordan Rapiner off the bench at different points. So um, he may be another one that can just inject into different spots and, and play some freewheeling stuff in the uh, game, depending on how the, the uh, couple of updates around the penalties versus the set restarts apply. Yeah, mate. No, definitely. That's a, that's a real good shout. Um, next up, mate, uh, your news headline or, um, I guess, left field or uh, bold prediction. Yeah, I've gone um, probably against the against the public, against the brain here a little bit. I'm going to say the dogs will still finish in the bottom two. Um, we know that they've got a massive, they've signed some massive um, names. They've got a lot of, um, you know, Matt Burton, Matt Duffy, um, they've all picked up these these guys and they will they will be a better side for it. Um, but I think everyone in the public might be a bit overrating them a little bit, I think a bit too big on them. So I'm going to say it is probably still quite a bold prediction. I'm going to say, yeah, dogs finish in the bottom two. Yeah, right. I, I think mine's probably not, not as outrageously bold as I might have initially hoped for. But looking at the players that are out and the, uh, I guess, the, the draw and the way it shapes up, in terms of the likes of Cleary being out for three weeks, etc., and a few other key players. I've gone the Melbourne Storm to claim the minor premiership with three rounds remaining. Wow, yeah, that's, no, that's a big call. I like that. Um, yeah, they're, they're just a juggernaut. and I wouldn't be surprised if that if, um, if that happened at all. They've, they've, uh, they've definitely done it in the past, and as you said, Cleary missing the first three weeks could really hurt, hurt the Panthers, especially... Um, Thursday night they got Manly, um, which is definitely a, a, a winnable game for Manly. So um, no, I, I I could see that happening. I would yeah, I would be overly shocked if that happened, but I would still definitely put it in the bold prediction class. And and to wrap it up, the uh, the negative news story that we want to run with: who is your wooden spooner? I don't think there's going to be too many big shocks here. No, no shocks here. I am going to stick with the North Queensland Cowboys as we for the reasons that we touched on just before. We'll make that uniform, mate. Uh, it will be the North Queensland Cowboys for me. I had two sides in that mix, but I've seen enough from the Tigers to think that they can uh, probably put themselves a little bit above. They've got some upside. I just don't see it from the Cowboys. We might take another little break, mate, and we'll come back and pull apart round one very quickly and uh, tip some lines for the games this weekend, and then we'll wrap it up. Beautiful. Sounds good, mate. All right, Smithy, let's get into round one of the NRL. It is only a couple of sleeps away. It's very exciting. I am like a kid at Christmas, and not just because I'm turning another year older. I am fortunate that my birth ball's pretty much in line with round one every year, and it's a great excuse to drag my long-suffering partner away and uh, head down. We're going to head down to the Raiders game uh, and watch them take on the Sharks. But before that gets underway on Friday night, we've got the Penrith Panthers and the Manly Seagulls. The line is the Panthers plus one and a half with Cleary being out. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan will start at seven for the Panthers uh, and the Panthers plus one and a half slight favourites at $1.86 on the line, mate. Um, who do you like here? Any standout points from the team selections for you for either side? Um, yeah, obviously a massive, massive one is Nathan Cleary getting ruled out, uh, which was, I thought was a bit of a shock. Um, 
So clearly shoulder probably hasn't um, healed as well as they'd probably hoped. Um, so that's um, pushed the line um, massively in Manly's favour. Um, and I think maybe just a touch too far. So I, I like Panthers with the small start there. Yep, I agree with everything you said wholeheartedly. I've also got the Panthers with that little start, especially if you can juice it out to two points at any point. I don't think it will, but uh, just keep an eye on it as it closes in. Um, there was an early bet on the unders as well, and I think unders is probably a wise bet for anything on the East Coast, Coast this weekend when they open up. Um, they'll probably juice them a little bit too much, I think. Uh, so watch those lines. Uh, we'll move along, mate. The, my Raiders, they take on the Cronulla Sharks. Interesting changes here. James Schiller in for his first game uh, in place of Jared Croker. Obviously, Jamal Fogarty's out. Brad Schneider in at seven. Um, he's got some big raps on him, but... Yeah, the Raiders, the Raiders missing some key players there. Croker is named in the extended squad, as is Xavier Savage. So don't be surprised if Ricky's playing some interesting little mind games and uh, has some moving pieces there. They are also without Jordan Rapana, but have Nick Kotrick back from the Bulldogs. The Sharks, um, they've got the majority of their players available. Trindle, not there. So Hines will start at seven. Moylan at six. And obviously, we talked about it in the preview. Wade Graham out for the start of the season. So... Again, the line here, about one and a half. Um, Cronulla at the minus, the uh, the favourites here. And I'll be taking Cronulla at the minus. I think they're, um, even with some question marks over their spine, just uh, the Raiders. I had the Sharks probably favourites if they were both at full strength, but the Raiders probably missing some bigger key players, I think, in terms of their final makeup. Yeah, mate, I, I agree. I had uh, Sharks in the, in the tight ones. So I think they'll just cover this small line. Excellent, mate. We will move along. Uh, the Broncos and the Rabbitohs, the second Friday night game. Uh, the Broncos were hoping to have Adam Reynolds to take on his old club. Instead, we see Billy Walters and Albert Kelly as the halves pairing. Tyrone Roberts, named in Jersey 17. State of Origin representative Brenko Lee in Jersey 19 on an extended bench. And their other signing, Jordan Pereira, not making the starting or, or their, their first 17. Obviously, for the Rabbits, Blake Taff in at fullback with Latrell still out. Uh, other notables, uh, Lachlan Ilias at seven. Uh, apart from that, pretty much as expected, Saliva Harvili will be the utility for them to open the season. Uh, mate, uh, the line here is South Sydney minus 10.5, a big big line on the road. Yeah, mate, it, it definitely is. I was lucky enough to lock in a minus 7.5, as Adam Reynolds was ruled out the other day, and I got a little bit worried when he was potentially back in, but now he's confirmed out. I'm very happy to be um, on the south with the... Um, less than two tries line there. So um, I think, yeah, minus and a half, probably fair line. Um, might even, uh, I might take, I might tip the Broncos with the, with the, with the double digit line at home. Um, but hopefully, Bunnies can win by eight or 10 to, to cash my, my, my bet as well. Yeah, I, I, I certainly leaned the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm heading the 10 and a half here for the Broncos. It's, it's roundabout where it is. I think it's probably a 10 point game. Um, I'll take that little extra half point if I'm forced to bet um, in terms of the Broncos at the plus. Like, I just think double digits in round one at home. Uh, yes, they're without Reynolds, but um, you know I think there's a few players with some points to prove. And both Albert Kelly and Billy Walters get another opportunity to audition for who ends up partnering him. So um, both of them with, with a lot to ride. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the end, end makeup is. They've got Tamari Martin and Ezra Mam in the extended squad as well. So there could be any sorts of reshuffles yet yet to come. So the joys of this new uh, structure of the 24-man squads uh, where they name them on a Tuesday, 24 hours, they drop it down to 19 and one hour before they name it down to 17 with the 18th-man concussion substitute. So uh, undoubtedly one or two of the coaches will play some Ducks and Drakes this weekend, but 
We'll wait and see who they are. We'll move on to the Roosters versus your Knights, mate. A big, juicy 13-and-a-half line. The Roosters, the favourite. Um, as we said, Luke Keary back in for the Roosters. Connor Watson named at nine. Apart from that, they're fairly stacked. Uh, Momorowski getting the, the nod on the wing. Billy Smith in the centres. For the Knights, the big news, as you talked about before, DSAF is out. Uh, they're starting Kurt Mann at 13. Phoenix Crossland named as the uh, utility. And Mitch Barnett coming off the bench alongside Thompson and Momosia. So the Knights, it'll be all about their new halves pairing and Chris Randall at nine, I think. But is 13 and a half a fair start or more than two converted tries a bit much uh, to be giving away in round one? Mm, yeah, I, I'd like to think that, uh, that the Knights can cover here, but I, I, I think there'll be one-way traffic. In all honesty, I, I'll be uh, I'll be at the game um, at the SCG um, with a couple of mates that are Roosters fans, so I'm sure I'll be popping it. Uh, from them plenty because I think I think the Roosters could rack up a bit of a score here like they did last year in round one against Manly. Yeah, I think realistically the Roosters are, are renowned good starters of the year as are Melbourne and, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's not a not an enviable task for the Knights. You might have better hope in the uh, preceding women's game, mate, uh, uh, yeah. in, in the fifth versus six out of six teams clash. But, yeah, look, it's, it's just about, you know, positive signs, I guess, out of this game for the Knights. Look, if, if I'm forced to take take a bit of a wager on it, I'll, I'll take the plus 13.5. I just think it's a lot of points in round one, even though, you know, it, it is quite likely the Roosters will run away with it. But, you know, if I'm having a little little sneaky Stuart diver, then then that's probably where, I, where I'll throw mine. Yeah, I don't mind that. Moving on, the next one, another one of these games, plenty of them around that Pickham sort of market. It'll be Sunshine Coast Stadium, 5.30 uh, New South Wales time on Saturday. It's the Sunshine Coast slash New Zealand Warriors taking on the St. George Dragons. Two sides that they're not sides I like to bet on or tip realistically. Um, obviously, the big news out of St. George is the fact that Burgess and Sims have been left out of their squad altogether. Um, for the Warriors, obviously, as we talked about in the preview to the season, uh, Reese Walsh is out of action. So Chanel Harris-Tavita moves to one. Cody Nikarima into six. Um, outside of that, there's nothing jumping out at me as outstanding um, or surprising selections. No, yeah, it was all pretty much as expected for both these teams. Um, but yeah, and as I said, there's a couple of games this round with the, with the small line, and um, I'm going to lean again with, with the start. I'm going to um, lean to the Dragons with the, with a small one and a half start. Yep, I'll take that as well. The plus one and a half at um, 181 will be where I'll be leaning. Next up, it is the West Tigers and the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the Tigers, uh, fairly as expected in terms of their lineup. Looking through it all, um, one to watch is young Kelma Tuolangi, who's been selected to start on the edge opposite Luciano Leilua. Outside of that, not a huge lot uh, for local Newcastle fans. Stafford Tower and Jock Madden both in the extended squad uh, in jerseys 19 and 20. Um, but, you know, the Storm, interestingly enough, Pappenheisen selected at fullback. Nick Meany at eight. Um, I'm not sure about that one. I think that might be a little bit of a, a Ducks and Drakes late switch. Josh King, the former Knight at 13. Uh, the son of Rod Wishart, Tyron Wishart, picked in the 14 jersey. And Jaden Nicarima also picked on the bench. Um, yeah, I think there might be some late shuffles and changes going around here. There's a few names that will be familiar to uh, Newcastle fans there, though. Um, obviously, Josh King... Um, alongside Nick Meany and another one, the son of former Wong Roos and Parramatta Eels and South Queensland Crushers player Troy Pezzett, who was with the Knights for a long time, Jonah Pezzett in the extended squad for them as well. So 
interesting to see the development of him, a young half that um, was lost to the Knights. So uh, the line here, 11 and a half, though, Smithy, who do you like? I'll, I'll lean to the Storm um, to cover this, um, especially with Brian Pappenhausen back in. That's obviously uh, a huge in. It was 50-50 whether he was going to be right to go this week uh, for round one. But with him in, I'm going to take Storm to cover here. Yeah, agreed. It'll be interesting to see what the final makeup of that side is. I'll be highly surprised if Nick Meany actually plays 5-8. Yeah, that, I was yeah very, very shocked to see uh, Nick Meany um, named in the six jersey today. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if it doesn't play out that way. I, I would expect a direct swap, to be fair, with Pappenheisen. I think Meany will probably play fullback. He's fairly established there. Or alternatively, they may bring Jaden Nicarima into six and leave Pappenheisen at one. So we'll watch and see. Uh, next up, we head to Combank Stadium at Parramatta on Sunday for the early game. It is the Parramatta Eels versus the Gold Coast Titans. Um, as we talked about before, a real shuffle up to the Eels backline. Sean Russell named on one wing, Bailey Simons in the other. Uh, Will or Viliami Penasini named in the centres alongside Wanga Blake. Uh, their forward pack pretty much as expected as, is, as are their halves. Uh, interesting to see Nathan Brown and Bryce Cartwright not making the bench, but they've got uh, Jacob Arthur named on their initial bench. So that'll be one to watch. They've also got Tom Opacic, um and Hayes Perham named in the extended reserve. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see possibly one of them parachuted in for Sean Russell, although he has been good early on. For the Titans, their side is uh, pretty self-explanatory and pretty much as expected, barring the fact that Jared Wallace is named in Jersey 18, so not making the bench. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the uh, the way they end up going. Obviously, the big recruit, Isaac Liu, um, starting up front with Mo Fodawaka and obviously uh, then the back line for feed up, uh, sorry, the back row for feed up, Fermor and Fasul Malawi uh, with Will Smith winning the battle for the utility, mate. Um, line here is six and a half, just over a converted try. Um, I had this one priced at six points exactly. Um, and then uh, had a look at a couple of the changes, including um, waiting to see what happened around the Eels um, starting lineup and also the weather. I think the weather favours the Eels with a predict- predicted um, rainy track versus the um, more lively Titan side. So I'm going to lean to the Eels with a six and a half, but not too confidently. Yeah, I'm a bit the same, man. I think the six and a half is just about spot on here. And um, yeah, with a bit of bit of rain around, you always. Uh, prefer to take the underdog with the points. Um, however, in this case, as you said, it probably suits Parramatta's um, big boppers a little bit more. So um, I am going to lean to the Eels minus six and a half, but without any confidence at all. Yeah, I think it'll be very much about who can adapt to the weather. Both sides don't mind an offload, and it might be about just reining that in a little. The final game yeah. of the round, and, and this one, mate, uh, seeing as you tip the Cowboys to win the spoon and the Bulldogs are finishing the bottom two, this is an absolute cracker for you in round one. Uh, up there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, it is the North Queensland Cowboys against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Um, one and a half the line, the cow- uh, the Dogs, sorry, favourites at $2. Um, I have some concerns around the Dogs travelling in round one, but I have more concerns about the Cowboys. My other thing for the Dogs, and I think this will align with your long-term vision, is their guys in Jersey 4, 5 and 6 are very used to winning. So if the season starts to get hard when you've got Brent Naden, Josh Adokar and Matt Burton, they're probably not too used to staring down the barrel of a 2-6 and six or 2-7 and seven record. So does that play out long-term for them is going to be an interesting one to watch. That said, I just can't bet on the Cowboys. So I'll take the even money about the Bulldogs giving away a couple of points even on the road. 
Yeah, mate, as you said, this is an absolute stinker to, to end the round one after, you know, it'll kick off with Manly versus Penrith um, to start the season, which would be a cracker, and then it, round one couldn't end in a, end with two worst teams, in my opinion, uh, with the Cowboys and the Doggies. And so how can you even, how can you pick, you can make a case for either team, but you can also make a case for it. Like I think, I think you'll very very easily make a case against either team, whether you can make a case yeah. for either team. That might just be the fact that there's a case against the other team. Exactly right, yeah. Just which case against either team is a little bit weaker, and then you'll probably take that side. But, yeah, I, I'll be, I think I'll be keeping my money away from this one. And I, I don't even know. Uh, maybe Cowboys with the home factor, one and a half start might be... I think, where, I, I think we're both clutching at straws, but we've gone either side, so one of us will be right. That's the good news. Um, but that, that wraps up round one, mate. Uh, I, I know, like myself, you're very excited to go and support your team. Uh, my trip a little longer than yours in round one, but hopefully mine's uh, a bit more optimistic than yours. But, uh, yeah. yeah, mate, again, thank you for jumping in. Hopefully we'll be able to get you on a few more times during the year to, uh, you know, to celebrate those three nights wins that they chalk up and uh, talk a bit of local footy as well because I know, mate, uh, you're a very passionate man about your local footy as well, so... A big thank you for coming on, mate. Uh, we will catch up with you during the season and uh, that probably, uh, as much as anything, brings us pretty much to a close for episode one. Of course, the usual mention of our uh, social channels, League Castle AU on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Most of the action on the Facebook page, but a little bit dribbled through on the Instagram and Twitter as well. So make sure to give it a follow, get involved. If you are involved in a local club this year and you've got some news, some signings, um, just anything happening at your club at all or you'd like to get on the pod during the year, then reach out to the page um, through again through Facebook or leadcastleau at gmail.com. So that's the way to get in touch with us. Again, Smithy, big thank you, mate. Uh, enjoy your season of footy. Enjoy the SCG, one of the worst grounds to watch rugby league at and probably a tough game to start the season with. But, you know, it's only got to be up from there, you know. It could be worse. You could be back in the middle of that s- series of three wooden spoons, right? Yeah, no, definitely. So, no, all good, mate, yeah. It was a pleasure um, being on and talking some footy. So, yeah, bring on round one. But, uh, yeah, I've never been to SCG to watch footy, so it is quite an awkward ground for league. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be uh, a bit of one-way traffic for the Roosters, unfortunately. But, uh, as you said, could be could be worse. You know, could be winning three spoons in a row and only winning one game throughout the entire season. But uh, we won't go there. No, exactly right, mate. Look, it's one of those ones you've got to tick off like a number of grounds. So enjoy it. Make the most of it. Hopefully you stay dry. Hopefully we all do. Enjoy your footy, everyone. And uh, as I said, we'll be back with some local footy chat next week and the week after. Looking forward to getting right into the Denton Engineering Cup as well as the Newcastle and Hunter Rugby League. Go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lee Newcastle, Newcastle Hunters, Hunters Rugby League.